Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Oh my gosh, this week has been so beautiful here in Northern Michigan. It's like that dreamy sort of spring that I don't know if I've seen in a long time. And I am so here for it because this is my third spring where I have not left Northern Michigan, which may sound kind of odd to say, but if you live in Northern Michigan, you know that most people leave at some point in the late winter, early spring, because I wouldn't say that Northern Michigan between the months of, you know, end of February, mid-February to mid-April are what we would call the most enjoyable months of the year. They're pretty challenging, to be honest. Like March can be hard, (laughs) if I'm honest. And I have to say that after three years of not leaving, which why is a whole nother story for a different day, I really have loved spring. And granted, it has come earlier than this year than normal. But I have a gratitude for it because I've realized how much spring is not about opening our leaves and shaking it all out and showing off our true colors. No, 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 no. That happens in the end of May, the beginning of June. Blooming happens then. What happens now is preparation. It's all about this this preparing everything, weeding out what didn't need to be there anymore, you know, clearing the bed and taking out all those root systems that just drove you crazy all summer because you could never find 
the root of the weed. This is a great time to do that. This is how we start new. And I just love it. I, I have never loved spring as much as I have this year. So that's the first thing, right? But also spring just feels good this year. I think when we're thinking about the pandemic, I never thought that a year later, I would have been scheduling my vaccine like within that first, like within that time period that I would be, that we would be here. I didn't know what to expect. Did anyone know? I don't know. I I have no idea, but it's been very exciting and also very much like spring to experience where we are in the pandemic. It feels like spring not in the type of spring in the pandemic like we had last year, but the spring feels as if it's finally arrived in the pandemic where we aren't there yet, but it feels like we're getting there. And I'm willing to live there and be happy with that right now because it feels like I need some transition out of where we have been to where we're going. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But also is spring. This is April, obviously. And this is Earth Month. And this is our first podcast in the first real dedicated podcast to April, I guess, this month. And so I wanted, I have a whole series of conversations this month. So two two interviews and a couple of my own. And they're all focused on the idea of Earth Month and what that means and ways that we can approach it. And this one is for us as parents. And even if you aren't a parent, I think you're going to enjoy this. So don't just like click off on this because this is a, this is a conversation that I think is really important because this also explains why the garden has so much meaning I am really excited to talk about this because I have spent so many years as a parent trying to figure out why the garden feels so, dare I say, like healing and like this tool that feels like a secret weapon a little bit in parenting. (laughs) And so I wanted to really figure out why, what are the things that make this such a powerful tool to us? Because as modern parents, there are so many things on our plate of expectations on us. Like not only we're supposed, like I've seen these before, these like memes about like all the things that we're supposed to accomplish as parents. And then you like look at a list of things that the world would have put on parents in like the 1920s. And it's like, keep them alive, (laughs) you know, and it's true. Like it's, it's funny, but it's true there. The list is endless. Like we have to raise somebody, a child who's empathetic and responsible and hardworking and eats well and is healthy and understands the gut microbiome and like all these things and like not too much screen time, but just enough. And like, you know, there's lots, there's so much and it's overwhelming. And all at the same time, we have to also identify like how to use less waste and how to be more eco-friendly. Like the list goes on and 
You know it. I know it. But when I think about how, how, how can we make this easier? How can this be simpler? I realized it is the garden. Like the garden actually could be the thing that solves and eases these things on us. So I, I wanted to talk about that because, and I did research on it because I have seen it actively play out in my own life. Granted, my children, my son is only five. So we're just getting started in this. But I know from my own personal experience growing up that the garden has made such a significant impact in my life. Because here I am talking to you about the garden, but it started with a grandparent who took me to the garden, who spent many summers having me walk through the garden with him. And my grandfather did that. And some of my greatest glowy, beautiful memories are of wandering through his acre garden in Harbor Springs, Michigan, in town. He probably didn't grow it organically. In fact, I'm almost 100% certain he didn't. But it was a garden. It was a space that fed him and us and people around him. And I think about that. And then I think about the garden that my dad had when we lived in Southern Michigan. And then I think about the one that we had when we moved to Traverse City. And, and then I took over that garden for him when they moved downstate. And it was the first time I ever had my own garden, really. I just, I think about how many times in my life the garden felt like magic, like where it brought a sense of connection and calm. And that's where I started thinking about, okay, this is real. Like this is actually something that can make an impact in life. Because a lot of times when we talk about Earth Month and we're talking about climate change and changing the course of our climate, we get down these topics, which we'll get on, of course, this month, but and there's no nothing wrong with them, but because they're very important, but we get on these topics of thinking in the present moment, which is extremely important. But I have a theory that we have to look to the past in order to know how to act in the present and how to be present. And then we have to continue to look forward to the future so that we know that we're what we're doing in the present is leaving a strong positive impact for what lies ahead of us. And so I'm thinking about this when it comes to my children, particularly, because they are my legacy. They are the thing that I leave behind in this world. If I can raise two children that love the natural world and they have an understanding of the importance of understanding where their food comes from, the importance of loving the natural world, celebrating it and protecting it, and realizing that it affects them directly, even when they think that it may not. If I can help them understand that and have empathy for the natural world and heal some sort of wound, you know, I think that we're all trying to grapple with that when it comes to climate change, then I've done good. I've done well. You know, like I have, I have stepped forward. 
Like I've made a difference in my mind. And I, that feels like a big, big, big thing on your shoulders, but I don't think it is because I think it's as simple as having a garden. And I don't mean that you need a garden that feeds your whole family. I mean that you just need to have a grow bag or two full of growing things with your kids. I mean, having some flowers. I mean, keeping it simple, maybe just a raised bed. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to take over your whole life. And if you're sitting there thinking like, I can barely keep up the dishes, which I can't either, or the laundry, which I can't either. I really want to know your secrets for how to get your laundry done in a way all in the same week and actually enjoy not doing laundry. If anyone has tips, that'd be great because I can't figure it out yet. (laughs) But if you're worried that you can't weed it or you can't keep up with it, I want you right now to take away that idea in your head because your garden, particularly with kids, if you're doing it for these reasons that I'm about to name, it's not about aesthetics and you have to start there. Okay. Take away the idea of aesthetics it's going to get weeds. Just own it right now. Like, don't think that your kids are going to weed it for you. Don't put that image in your mind. They might, they might, or you might, because it might be meditative and be the, we'll get into that, but yes, (laughs) you might weed it, (laughs) but it's not about that. It is doing, it is creating a larger harvest than that garden itself will actually ever physically make for you. In fact, you may not even get a harvest because I can tell you from experience, you may not, but you will harvest something for your children and for the future that will outlive any tomato that you may pull out of your garden. So start there. Let's set our expectations properly. Okay. Because I think that is so important especially with parenting, especially with life, proper expectations are necessary. So we're going to start there. But I went and I was like, I'm deep diving on this a little bit because I believe it can make such an impact. And I'm, a, I'm going to give you the reasons why. I have a blog post coordinated with this as well that is in the show notes to give you like some notes if you would like it. But my hope is is that if you're somebody that has been sitting on the fence about whether to even have a few pots of things on your front porch this summer, that I'm about to sell you on it. Because if you can do anything for the planet this year and for your children and for yourself, it is to grow something. Okay? I promise you. So here's why. First of all, We're going to start with the, we'll just call them, I guess, the high level obvious things. The first thing is, is the garden provides an extensive amount of entertainment. And I know this because my favorite time is the day that we can open up those doors and Haze can just go. And I'll set up an easel on the front porch or on the back porch, maybe some water in a bucket Sunny, Sunny's been sitting out there. She's already like doing her thing. Hayes is off, like finding bugs. He's climbing a tree. You know, 
they, once the garden gets going, he's playing hide and seek. He's collecting flowers. Like literally hours will pass from breakfast to dinner. And there is no screen time that happens. Not because I'm like being hard nosed about it because we definitely do screen time in our house. I'm not going to tell you we don't because we do. I don't know how anyone that has children gets away with not doing it because I also think, you know, it's like one of those things, like you got to have a little bit of balance with it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with screen time. It's just how much of it, but in the summer months and in the days where my kids can be in the garden, the amount of screen time is almost like slim to none unless it's raining. And I think that that is one of those things where it's like, oh, like, and granted, if you don't have a space as big of, as ours, like you may not, you, you may not have that same situation, but I think even if you have a thousand square foot backyard, you can create a opportunity for your children to be outside and experiencing the natural world with very little effort. Because remember, like even a small space is huge to kids because think about it when you were a kid, like if you went back to your childhood bedroom, it would feel so tiny in comparison to what it felt like when you were a child, you know? And I, so you can make a lot out of a little. And so even if it isn't like as extensive amount of time, like just doing more in the outside world, like eases things. Because what I find is like, I just put a chair out there sometimes and I'll write in my journal or just relax and the kids will do their thing. And, or I can weed and meditate, like it's a meditative thing. And I watch them and they're like playing or they're digging with little shovels or, you know, things like that. And before we know it, it's dinner time and, you know, and then it's bedtime (laughs) and the day's gone by and we've been outside and we've been enjoying the natural world all afternoon. So I just find it to be the easiest way to enjoy life as a parent with your kids. But we're going to dig into that a little deeper because there's a little more to that. So the next thing that I feel like is an obvious thing, but I think it's important to name is that when you grow a garden, even if it's tiny, you are going to eat better. Your child will eat more vegetables. And when people ask me like, how do you get your kids to eat vegetables? Or how do I get my kids to eat more vegetables? I always say, give them ownership in a garden. It's so simple, but it isn't ownership in the sense like, here's your chore in the garden. No, 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 no. I want you to instead think about it like this, get a grow bag, get a pot, get something, fill it with soil with them, give them some ownership, say, this is yours. This is going to be your thing. And then let them design it. Take them to the farm market to pick out some starts or the nursery or something like that. And let them choose what they want to grow. If they want to choose to grow a squash, a watermelon plant, whatever in a pot, let them do it. Let them learn. Let them see how these things work and let it overtake. You know, it's cause and effect. It's learning about it all. And not only that, will they like my son loves growing carrots. If I told him to eat a carrot in January, 
he'd be way less likely to eat it than he would in August because he's pulling it out of the ground and he's so pumped about it. He's like, oh my gosh, the carrot. And if I don't look fast enough, he's like eating it, sandy soil on it and everything, which is great. That's another topic we're going to get into here in a few minutes. But he, he will devour vegetables in the summer. And at first when he was like my daughter's age or a little older, when he was like three, it was more of a struggle, especially with the veg, the vegetable situation. But now he knows where those vegetables came from. He knows, okay, if I plant this seed, then a carrot will grow and I will enjoy it. Cool. Okay. Carrots are good. Like, cause he's experienced it. He's watched it grow. He has like this ownership that like he put the soil in there. He's watering it. He's taking care of it, all of it. And over time, this becomes a way where they see, oh, this is a vegetable that I can eat. It's interesting. You know, it's curiosity. So why wouldn't they love trying it in the very least? And they say that it's not about eating all the vegetables with kids and like taste. And it's more about the taste, like acquiring taste for things to expect that they're going to love everything right off the bat is like kind of un- in like un- unfair to them. So instead we just have this rule that like, you just have to try everything. And so now he knows what vegetables he loves and, and he's always willing to try something, especially when he knows it came out of our garden. So I just think like the garden is the easiest way for you to eat more vegetables with your kids and your kids to eat more vegetables, but also it provides an opportunity for you guys to cook more together. And granted, if you don't have any harvest, like I said, low expectation on this thing, sometimes just the understanding that like fruits and vegetables come from the ground is big. So it's about steps year after year, steps after year after year. And eventually by the time they're 10, 11 years old, they're going to understand on such a deep level where these things come from and you're cooking with them, which is super cool and really good for them and good for you as a bonding experience and an ownership and responsibility experience and something that they're going to carry on in their life forever, right? How to cook a carrot, how to cook a cook broccoli. And maybe even if you don't know how to do those things, you will learn right beside them and they will see that pursuing new things is important at any age, right? See, there's lots of things here. I know. It's great. The next thing is, is that the garden teaches patience and the reward out of hard work. And this kind of goes into that cooking and vegetable thing. But like my son loves seed starting. Like it's like his favorite time of year. And I've talked about this before, but he loves it. And (laughs) he literally will walk down every morning. Okay. Who's popped up? He'll end the day. Who's here? Hmm. You know, (laughs) he talks to the plants and asks them when it's time for them to come up. And he is so patient with them. And he also understands, okay, well, and he also sees me dedicating so much time and my husband dedicating time to planting things, preparing things, doing all this stuff, watering things, dedicating 
a lot of time to taking care of these plants that then feed us. And it takes all season. We start them now and we harvest in August. Holy smokes, that's a lot of time. Things aren't immediate. And that is so good for kids to learn. And it's so good for us as humans to learn, like adults, because I feel like in our this world that we're in, like immediacy seems normal. It's not normal. Okay. Like the natural world shows us like things take time for a reason and good things take time. Like tomatoes, longest things to start indoors. And then they take quite a while to ever produce. So you're talking like 90 to hundred days sometimes before you even receive something that you dedicated to your dedicated to for so long. So your children are watching you do that. And then they're participating in that. So they learn that there is value to having patience and value to hard work. Because then when you dedicate yourself like that, you receive it tenfold, right? Because you plant one tiny seed and you get a huge harvest when you take care of it. So it is so important and such an easy way to teach it because you're just doing something and they're observing, right? The other thing along those lines that the garden teaches is gratitude. When we receive these things out of the garden, we have such deep gratitude for them because we poured so much effort and work into them. And so there's like this real thanks and gratitude for the things that arrive to us from the earth. And I think that that, like, I just realize how much more we all value our food in the summer a little more. And then in the winter, I'll always talk about like, oh, this kale was growing, you know, we got this at the farm and, you know, they've been growing it in a tunnel and, oh, look, like this was time that we dried and now it's, you know, in our soup. And it there's a gratitude to the story of it even, you know, that we took effort to make this so that we could enjoy it. You know, it's simple. And the garden offers that opportunity. Also along those lines, the garden teaches grace and empathy. The two most important things I feel like that humans need reminders of is to think outside themselves or even to offer grace to themselves. We're so hard on ourselves. And I think this particularly is helpful to kids when they get into those high school and college years to understand grace and empathy is a gift. And I wish I'd understood it more so I had less to learn when I got older. But grace and empathy are so, so important. And the garden is simply the perfect place to learn it because the garden, it's not even like you might have failures. The reality is, is you will have failures. You will fail. You will mess up. Something won't go right. Something will get devoured by bugs. A squirrel will eat something. Like it is bound to happen. And our children are able to observe how we handle that when it happens. When a failure happens, what do we do? How do we pick up from it? How do we react? And it sounds silly, but it's a big thing. It's a really big thing to watch a parent, watch an adult offer grace to themselves 
empathy that a squirrel maybe needed that and empathy to the fact that, you know, the natural world has rhythms, that we are not always in control, that we are part of a circle of life, you know, that we are just no greater than the next natural thing in the natural world. There is this humility that comes with growing things, something that is so, so important. And I think Instagram, this is where I get really beefy with Instagram because it's all about the like glowy, like perfect garden. And it's, that's not what the garden's intended to be. Sure. We all have beautiful gardens and there's beautiful things, but there are also really important failures that provide us that really great tangible thing called humility and empathy and grace for ourselves that builds resilience and strength and self-identity and self-assurance and it's it's so important self-confidence to fail and be able to pick ourselves back up that's amazing and to show how to do that and how we offer self ourselves grace in that is so awesome to exude out to our children, to exemplify what it means to do that in real life situations. Because many times our children don't get to see that happen like in our careers and in our work, especially at a young age. They may get to see it when we don't do well with laundry or we don't do well, you know, with other things in life. But the garden just simply always promises us this opportunity. And I love that (laughs) because like we recently had seeds that didn't take and I was kind of like bummed out about it. And Hayes came over and patted me on the back and he goes, it's okay, mama, we can try again. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. I was like, yeah, you're right, man. (laughs) Like we don't, we don't need to be hard on ourselves. We can try again. There's a reason. Finally, like with that said, it get, the garden provides us this place as parents to connect with our children in a way that personally, I don't think that I, maybe, maybe I'll put it this way. My, I connect so like the best memories I have so far as a parent happen in the garden, the best stories, the best experiences, they all are happening around meals and around food and around our garden. And to me, there's no greater place to connect than in the natural world, right? Like out in nature, out in our gardens, you know, I, I love the, you know, going back to that idea of like, don't expect a harvest. My son, when he was like two, it was one of our first gardens that we put in with him. And I planted all these tomato plants. I was so excited about them. I actually started them from seed and he, (laughs) they were cherry tomato plants. And every single time a cherry tomato came on, he would pick it off, bite it and throw it down. We never got a tomato off of that tomato plant because of that. But I will tell you that is some of my best memories of that little boy discovering the natural world and him having a tomato for the first time like that. And I would bet years from now, he will always remember that taste of the tomato because of that. 
maybe not con like it would be like a subconscious thing because he was so young, but the tomato will always hold that memory for us. And it was one of his first, <laughs> first like real foods that wasn't mashed up. And there's so many, many, there's so many different moments I can think of as a parent where I have deeply connected with my children in the garden. We have these amazing conversations about what is, what is the language of nature, you know, is like he said to me before, or I said, who, what do you think that, who do you think this plant is or something? We were just talking about plants and giving them names. And he goes, well, this plant is definitely not a boy or a girl. Mm -mm. It's neither. And, you know, and then we had conversations about gender identity and we've had conversations about race. We've had conversations about all these things because they're all, all exemplified to us in the natural world. They're all there in the garden, you know, all the different varieties, the weeds, like what it means to remove weeds in our own lives, the things that are sucking life from us that don't allow us to thrive. You know, there's all sorts of different conversations that can happen if we just are able to allow ourselves to see them and connect with them, with our children. And I, like I said, I'm not always good at that in other places in my life with my children, but the garden, the garden is where it can happen. The, it, on the hiking trail is where it can happen. Out in the woods, foraging is where it can happen for us. And that is what has worked for me. But maybe you have another place. But to me, the best connections I've ever made, both with my kids and with my parents and with my grandparents, have always been in these places. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's like the safest, most vulnerable, amazing place to connect with one another. So that leads us to the next thing and really like the final thing of my research, because you know, the thing that I think we forget about too is the effects of the natural world, the soil, the plants are having an on us as humans. And this is where this is like the least obvious of these things and like probably the thing that might be the most vague, but also the thing that still probably needs some research. And I'm just going to preface that because these are things I've observed and read about in other books and other things. And I can place some of those resources below, but there's pretty good research that the soil has direct effects on our health, direct effects on how our mind works on our guts and our microbiome and on our, on anxiety and on all sorts of things. Like <laughs> There's so much research going on on the effects of soil. And so there's no better place to get into it in, in a safe way. I feel like, you know, we're in like this hyper hygiene, clean world, particularly now in a pandemic. But I feel like the soil in our garden and in our raised beds or in a grow bag or in a pot is a safe place in some way to start that connection. And if it's new to you or new to your kids and getting messy sounds 
like a lot. So the thing is, is like the soil opens up a whole world of things for us. First of all, the soil really, when we smell and experience soil, it actually, there's real research that the soil releases oxytocin in our bodies, which is the hormone of connection. Think about that. So if you're out in the garden with your kids, you're smelling soil and you're connecting with them, you know, you're planting things together, you're weeding, maybe they're playing next to you and digging a hole and you're weeding, you're smelling that. You're experiencing oxytocin in that moment. So in oxytocin, as we know, particularly if you're a mother or a father, that oxytocin is an extremely powerful hormone that directly connects you to things, right? To the thing you're in contact with. It, t- it brings joy and relieves anxiety and it does also, it's a very powerful, it's the love hormone and it's amazing. And so there's, you think about that when you're there with your kids, you're smelling this, it's like this connection is happening because of this hormone release that's coming because of the soil. Like it, it's not just because of that connection that you're spending time with your kids. Like you're getting that because of the soil exists in that relationship with you. That's so cool, right? And then on top of that, you grow the food, you pull it out, you eat it. You're going to, you're going to ingest some of this, the dirt and or this, you're also going to ingest some of the soil, which means that you're also ingesting those bacteria into your system, which is good, good bacteria that help your gut bacteria and your child's gut bacteria. Cause they're also eating that. And most likely they're putting their hands in it. They're getting messy. Like soil is so powerful in so many ways. And I, the, there's so many things and that it can do for us as parents in a positive way that it's incredible. And they say that like kids that experience a life with some soil and dirt and mud and mess like that have a less, a, a lower chance of allergies and autoimmune diseases and all these other things in their, in their lifetime. And for you too, the benefits extend to both of you. And so there's all these things that relieve by our contact and direct connection to our garden. It's amazing. It truly is. Well, you're also having the ability to actually connect because of hormonal releases in your body. Soil is powerful. And I really think that this may be the root of why the garden has felt like such a powerful tool to me as a parent. And I didn't even realize it until I started digging into the research. So I know that sounds kind of weird. And if you want to dig in further, I have resources for you that kind of explain some of this, but, and it's in various books that I've read as well. But I think we just, I think the thing is, is like, we just think that I think my hope is, is that when you hear all this, that maybe you'll see why I really believe that this is such a powerful thing for us as parents, that just by growing a few things, we can make a big impact. 
And we're not even getting into the fact that like a garden can actually be part of reversing climate change and which sounds crazy, but we'll get into that maybe another day, but it's powerful. And you're teaching your kids the importance of growing things and taking care of things that are natural and that, and just that direct connection to that. It's so important. And so if you're still debating about a garden as a parent, I really hope that this is one of those things. It's just like, oh my God, we got to do it. We got to do it. (laughs) Because I can promise you once you remove the expectation that it's got to be something, it's going to open you to the, these things that are such gifts and it's all right there. And it's such little headache really compared to what it will harvest for you in the long run. And I promise you, you're going to love it. I promise. So I know that was like a really fun kickoff to this whole month and I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. Next week I have my friend Alana on and she is so amazing at approaching the idea of removing plastic, single use plastic from my life and how we do that and all sorts of things. So we're going to talk about it in like a judgment free way. We're going to be honest about our struggles. We're going to it, it is a really good conversation. I love, I mean, I love Alana. She's amazing. She's just a wonderful human, but I just really enjoyed this conversation. And I think you guys will too. It's a little long, but only because I think it's a great conversation about how we approach plastic and why we need to approach it in a, in a way that isn't like going to make you feel like you need to just toss everything out the window, but instead really approach it with this idea of like attention, turning to awareness, turning to action. And I love that because every little thing in our life can move in that, that way. And it all starts with just like turning that attention. And we have such a great conversation about it. So I know you guys are going to love it. So that's next week. If you guys want more information, you can find it in the show notes. I hope you all have a wonderful week. And as always, I will see you out there. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.